welcome back to another Daily Walk. And today I want to talk a little bit about a fun conversation I had with uh, somebody last night. And um, this has to do with our uh, just our thinking about heaven and the number of people making it to heaven. It's more of an academic discussion than anything else, but it's one that bears with it a hint of theology in that we need to sit back and study and learn what the scripture has to say. Uh, and I bring this up because here in America, at least, there are churches, on, in some cases, you can see churches down every single aisle. There's churches down every single street. Some of these churches are huge. Of course, uh, now we are seeing that for the very first time, a Barnapol has suggested that for the first time ever, people who profess no religion are actually finally greater than those people who profess a religion. And so because of this, we're seeing a decline in religious faith. But as we are seeing a decline in this religious faith, we still see a massive, almost half of America professes some form of religiosity. So, and if we look back through our history here in America, there was a time our entire culture was centered around the church and uh, at least some degree of Christianity, even though it did appear that it was really more for lip service than anything else. And so it begs this question, is heaven going to be a very crowded place with lots of people or is it going to be closer to a ghost town? <laughs> That's a, a fair question. Now, I don't think ghost town is necessarily the word because if you've ever been to a ghost town, it means like nobody's there at all. And that's certainly not the picture that the scriptures paint. However, the scriptures do paint a pretty clear picture that heaven is not full and full and fulls of every people who profess Christianity in one way, shape, or form. And in fact, the scripture says repeatedly over and over that only few will be there. And, and also there are a lot of pretenders in the faith as well. So we're going to have a look at a few scripture verses and talk about what these mean. Uh, we'll probably uh, we'll pro probably poke at a few cans of worms, but I'm going to try not to uh, go too far off to the side of what our central topic is, is how crowded is heaven going to be, uh, rather than spending time trying to go into nuances of some theologies, which I've discussed in other places and we can spend more time in the future if we need. But the first section we're going to go to is Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 13 and 14. This is the narrow and the wide gate. And Jesus warns, and this is in the Sermon on the Mount, near the end, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So, of course, the whole chapter on Matthew 7 is really talking a lot about judgments. It starts out with the judging others, and people are like, oh, you can't judge. I mean, Matthew 7, 1, do not judge, so you'll not be judged. That's not what that verse says. That verse is an indication, the entirety of Matthew 7 suggests judgment, but what we need to look at is, are you doing your judgment with a righteous judgment, not some self-righteousness? And that really is the distinction, and he makes it clear throughout the rest of this chapter. But the first part is about judging, and first and foremost, we have to judge ourselves by the word of God and seek to repent of our own sins. Only then can we start to look at the sins of other people. So the first commandment is for us to look first and foremost at ourselves and at our hearts. And then, of course, they go into the golden rule, behave as you should behave, and then he gets into the narrow gate. 
So what he's getting at here is to say there's a lot of people who do a lot of things that seem righteous on the surface, but that is not the way to life. It is very narrow. There are very few people who find that true way of life. When I see people who go to the same small groups and Bible studies and churches for decades and still have no desire and no interest to pick up the word of God, it tells me they are not on the path to heaven. And they need to repent of this and get on the path to heaven. If you don't have a deep love for the word of God and a desire to open it up and truly understand what is in the word of God, such to the point that you lose sleep because you're trying to figure things out and you stay up late trying to figure out what this verse means or this verse means, that is the hunger and the thirsting for the word of God that is that sign of life. As the deer pants, as the psalmist says, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. But as we talk about entering through the narrow and the wide gate, he's talking about many people who profess and appear to be saved because they're walking through this path. I think that this narrow gate, this isn't just Christians and non-Christians. I think that this is people who walk through the wide gates of wide open, seeker-sensitive churches. Those are the gates that lead right into hell. That's my personal thought. Uh, having been to several of those churches and seen a lot of smaller churches. And you're going to find a lot more Christ in the smaller churches than in the larger ones. Of course, Matthew 7 gets into the tree and its fruit, um, which is literally the section about judgment. You can tell a tree by its fruit. Why is it that all of these big churches seem to have scandals that eventually catch up with their pastors? Uh, you know, I mean, even Warren just got booted out of SBC for uh, some of his weird views on some, some certain things. Uh, again, we're not going to dive too far deep into that. But what I do want to mention, our next actual verse we're going to focus on, is one of my favorites, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Because this is a whole lot of people who believe they're going to heaven. This is a whole lot of people who attend the church services and who do all sorts of fun things in the name of Christianity. So it says, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name cast out demons, in your name perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is a lot of people who do a lot of religious things. They're going to the potlucks. They're going to the Bible studies. They're going to the prayer groups. Yet their heart is far from God. They are far from God. God doesn't know who these people are. He tells you, I don't know who you are. Get out of here. Stop bugging me, you bum. I mean, that's really what, uh, what we see looking at those verses. It's a lot of people who do a lot of religious things and do not actually find themselves in the will of God. So that really is uh, points out a few areas, but just say, well, I mean, that's, that's Matthew. Come on, there's, that's a weird one. You bring up that verse a lot. So I went looking around. What else in the scriptures might bring to this? And of course, there's a lot of verses that are irrelevant, but we're going to go ahead and bring in one more here. Um, and this is from Luke chapter 13, verses 23 through 27, because this is, he's in the middle of teaching, now he's walking away, and someone comes up out of the crowd and says, hey Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? So this is a really good one, right? Um, somebody comes up and asks Jesus, hey, are there a ton of people saved or are there just a few people being saved? What does Jesus have to answer? Well, this is what he says. Uh, very similar to other verse, but we have a lot more context. Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. 
Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up to us, he will answer them and say, I don't know where you're from. And he will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. Now that does wrap up the narrow gates and the section we read from Matthew 7 uh, pretty much in one little package. But the point being here is that there are a lot of people who believe they are saved and they're not making it in. Now, one element of this, you could say, well, this is after some period of time when you, no one can be saved. I mean, Isaiah does say, seek the Lord while he may be found, indicating that there is a time the Lord may not be found. Uh, this is certainly a clear factor, but I'm not sure this is necessarily pointing to a specific time as much as, um, as, much as people who, who sit down and say, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm actually going to say and do all the religious things, but not actually be among the religious bridal party. That really is that principle. So the point being, of course, we have to strive to enter in that narrow gate once again. But the last verse, actually, um, I said there was one more, but there is one more. This is the last one. Uh, but this really brings up the heart of these mega churches and all of these droves and droves of people who think they're saved because they go to church on a regular basis, but they may not be. And so this is from Revelation chapter 3. Of course, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are a bunch of letters to the churches. This is to the church in Sardis. And he writes here a full thing, and then we'll get into the, the details here. To the angel of the church in Sardis, he who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, and you are alive, but you are dead. Sounds kind of like a lot of these mega churches. They have big names. Everyone knows who they are, but you go in and they're spiritually dead. Okay, I lied. I'm just going to go through and exposit it as I read it out. All right, verse 2. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. I think this is really speaking to that mega church view because they're doing a lot of religious looking things, but they're, they're not, for the most part, the biggest sin these churches have is they do not drive people to do a solid hermeneutical study through the scriptures. There's no perspicuity of the scriptures. There's no seeking to understand it. There's no reading it in many cases. They do a single verse here and there and have a paragraph written by some pop psychologist to explain what they're talking about. Um, and then verse three, so remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know the hour in which I come. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father, who is before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one point uh, I'm going to mention here is I do not believe for a moment that this section part of verse 5 here, I will not erase his name from the book of life. I, I believe the scripture is very clear. The book of life is written and cannot be edited. Um, but 
how do we reconcile this from other verses that say no one can be lost, no one can get out of the Father's hand, God will bring all to completion. We've talked about that in other places. I'm not going to open up that can of worms right here. Just indicate I'm aware of that. No, I'm not believing that people can lose their salvation. I don't think that that's what this means. I believe this is hyperbolic language talking about these few are going to be saved because they are actually doing the righteous things and the rest of you guys just look like it, but you're not really going to be saved. I think that's hyperbolic language pointing to that. Um, but uh, aside from that, I'm not going to address that much further here. But the overarching principle is that here is a church that, like a lot of these mega churches, they have huge numbers of attendance and all sorts of programs and all sorts of things going on. Yet, God's disappointed because one of the things Bill Hybels said, he was one of the three leaders um, in the church growth movement. It was, it was um, Bill Hybels, Bob Buford, and Rick Warren. Right before, of course, Bill Hybels was also disgraced and booted out of his church. They did a study and he said the biggest problem we had, we filled up pews and pews and pews and churches and churches and churches. But the one thing we never did is we never taught people how to get into the word for themselves. Unfortunately, he never really re-implemented that stuff in because the word of God is just boring, old, irrelevant. And I want the hip pop modern stuff and that's what brought people to the church anyway and it's true whatever you serve them to get them to the church you have to keep serving them to keep them there so if you make a sudden transition to start preaching the solid word of God you're going to lose all your people and then since you're worried about the numbers and not the faithfulness to God you're going to get discouraged and then woe is me and that's why I think the smaller churches are better because more often than not many of the smaller churches are more open to opening and reading and encouraging the reading of the word of God that is your final principle. I think that on that basis, very few will be in heaven because very few people take the personal interest in reading the word of God. That's what you should do. Read the word of God. Commit yourself to read it one time per year at a bare minimum in addition to extra Bible studies. That sounds like a lot. Yes, it is. Um, and that's perfectly fine because that is what it takes to bless. And that's, that's not that work that saves you. It is that work that demonstrates that and allows the spirit to grow through you. It's that which demonstrates that you are of God. So that is really our principle here. So thanks for watching and I hope that you enjoy your daily walk and our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com. <laughs>